Werder are down to third because meanwhile, Darmstadt, we're putting a 6-0 beating on Erzgebirge Aue to go above Werder on goal difference. So, like... Is anyone following this? Like... <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Hardcore Football, an intense look at the world's game by two passionate Americans. I'm your host, Phil Baki, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, how you doing? Doing well, man. All all the teams that I care for deeply won this weekend, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah, likewise. <laughs> we actually get to we get to come together in in uh happy circumstances i guess with the the local side the local side and and the the uh the big european side also taking uh yeah taking some good results this weekend so things looking up um for liverpool and arsenal um at you know sort of the the we're reaching the business end of the season and so we had a couple of comments and we'll we'll start with some admin but before we get into the episode or anything this is going to be a little bit different because we're going to take the time to look at the promotion and relegation races across like the top five leagues and obviously by extension the top five second divisions uh in europe and so yeah a little bit of a, a different vibe here but i'm excited to, to chat about some of these races because let's be real like the second divisions in in a lot of these countries are quality yeah yeah very strong and really some dramatic races going on um it's it's really exciting to see what's what's gonna happen well before we dive in uh just a bit of admin uh as we as we uh get started so if you're finding hardcore football for the first time we are a podcast that's available on all the major podcast platforms uh we're also on twitter and instagram at hxc football um, so check us out there and, uh, we, yeah, I think that's pretty much the extent. Um, but we're, we're back to, um, somewhat a mildly regular recording schedule. It feels like, so it's nice to, nice to be back here, you know, with, with not maybe as much <laughs> happening in between as, as has been the case. Yeah, no, it feels it feels silly almost to to sort of the uh, first like semifinals of the of the European competitions, but there's just so much going on elsewhere that, and we had a request from our friend Jake about yeah. talking about these promotion relegation races, so we thought, why not? Let's do a let's do a special. Yeah, and and I think it gives us a good chance to uh, we'll we'll definitely be able to chat about all the the results of the European semif- semifinals after the second legs coming up this week which uh, you know I'm currently dreading uh, a trip to uh, to sunny Spain so we'll see what the uh, we'll see what it holds for for Liverpool in the future but starting in England and I think like Given the game that happened today, the big game that was like hyped up in terms of its importance in the relegation race, Everton beating Chelsea 1-0 at Goodison Park. Um, obviously, relegation in the Premier League still still pretty up in the air for that last spot. Watford and Norwich, unfortunately, are you know pretty much all but relegated. Or, well, they are 
relegated now, I I think, uh, Norwich. Norwich for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Watford, it would take a pretty significant effort, I think, to to climb out above, um, above Everton and either Burnley or Leeds. Um, but Everton getting this win today, and I mean, obviously a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of effort from Everton. But this this really felt like I mean this. Is, also pretty poor from Chelsea and has kind of been the story recently from from Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can't overstate how massive a result this is for Everton, obviously, especially at home, keeping the clean sheet. I mean, it's something to hopefully, I mean, I say build on, but there's not much time, right? They have to start getting results. And I think that you, you pointed that out last time that it's not enough to just play anti-football and hope for a draw or something they need to win um and hopefully this will propel them because uh, truthfully i i don't want to see them go down i think there are clubs more deserving but <laughs> that's not how it works and i understand that um but chelsea chelsea do this thing where and maybe this is unfair but uh, i feel like when there's nothing to play for it shows <laughs> yeah um i think chelsea have third place pretty locked up i mean it would take quite a slide for one of Arsenal or Spurs to catch them. Um, obviously, they're out of Europe. They're, it's been extremely bleak off the pitch, of course, with what's going on with Roman Abramovich and the sanctions and all the fallout from that. So, um, and, and on top of that, there are many players in this Chelsea side that are confirmed to not be returning. So, I mean, Rudiger, obviously the big example of that. He'll be moving on to Real Madrid, it looks like. Um, I think Christensen as well, moving on to Barcelona. So, I mean, there's just a lot up in the air. It's it's a, very much a state of flux at, at Stamford Bridge. And so, yeah, they just have been pretty lackluster. And I, I don't know what Thomas Tuchel can do about some of those, like, intangible influences on performances. Obviously, it is his job to get those things right. But, yeah, um, at the end of the day, though, very, very well done by, by Everton and and let's see if they can crack on. Yeah, Everton Everton on 32 points now, still with a game in hand. Uh, Leeds and Burnley uh, having both having played a game more and just the two points ahead of, of Everton. And it's worth noting that Leeds, you know, the conversation last week was, hey, I think Leeds might be back in the conversation for relegation. The conversation now is Leeds are in trouble um, if they don't if they don't start putting something together. Now, obviously, they played Manchester City this weekend, and and their goal difference didn't exactly get get a helping hand from from Manchester City. But they they have the third worst goal difference in the division, um, and that is now playing a part as Burnley level on points with them moved ahead of them into 16th. So if it came down to it on the final day, Burnley, Everton and Lee or Burnley, Everton and Leeds, you know, if there was some sort of tiebreaker situation, Leeds would be the odd man out there. Yeah, that's right. And Leeds is running is pretty brutal. I mean, they've got Arsenal up next who are on a, a nice three game winning streak after dropping three, uh, then Chelsea, Brighton, Brentford and Aston Villa. So, I mean, 
I don't know. I don't want to be too down on Leeds, but like if if they lost all of these games, I would not be surprised. Yeah. Um. I think. Uh, yeah. None of these are necessarily a given. Um. And I think what Jesse Marsh has done has been incredible. To be fair, um. The way that he's, uh, got the got the team on side and and tried to fix some of these problems. But the, this just goes to show you that there's a there's a squad makeup issue here. I think that even Marcelo Bielsa, you know he couldn't deal with necessarily that there just needs to be better defenders in and around this, this lead side. Um, yeah, they, they ship goals and city you, you could forgive them. I think everyone has been battered by city once or twice, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I look at results like three nil to Aston Villa, uh, back in March, uh, not scoring against crystal palace, which is odd. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's just not good enough, and and yeah, they're they're a little bit in a precarious position now. Um, and yeah, I would hate to see them go down as well because I think that they've been a really good addition to the Premier League, and obviously, like historically, a Premier League side. So um, we'll just have to see. And then, of course, it doesn't help that these rumors about Calvin Phillips moving on are are swirling. But uh, yeah, that's par for the course, I guess. Yeah, and and amongst all that, I mean, and it's funny because Leeds is back in this conversation despite like a decent run where they were, I mean, they were unbeaten in four. They had a couple of wins. They were looking, you know, like they were maybe getting back to some some type of form. And then obviously a, a game against City is not exactly the greatest confidence boost. Um, and right. here's the thing, like, I don't think Leeds played that bad against City, to be totally honest. Like, yes, they they give up the four goals but the and there's some definitely some suspect defending on the opener but they created a decent amount and xg wise like it it wasn't a four nil i mean it was like a two one was sort of like where the chances laid so um the reality is that city is an elite team in terms of converting chances and and leads on the other hand are really reliant on a couple of players to grab like a lot of goals and with Patrick Bamford out for a good portion of the season, that's that's been a, a real challenge because they do play such a a style that is reliant on them also scoring because they're they're they are gonna concede. Like that's I think that's a reality. Yeah, you mentioned Patrick Bamford with the knee injury. Um, you know, just been injury plagued this season. Leeds have. I mean, Tyler Roberts also out. Liam Cooper, Adam Forshaw. Yeah, they just they don't have the squad to deal with this. <laughs> it, it would seem, um, and and yeah, it's just been unlucky. But Leeds match up well against like the cities and the Liverpools because of how they play. It's just the the quality at the end of the day tells. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy what Burnley been able to do though. In in as as Leeds and Everton kind of flounder, they've put together a run for unbeaten ever since they lost shockingly to Norwich. And it's just like, oh God, they're gonna do it. <laughs> they they sacked Sean Dyche and and they've they've figured it out. Like, I mean it's hard to it's hard to point to one thing in particular because obviously in this last game against Watford, there there's a little bit of like who saw this coming um, because, mm. you know, Jack Cork scores for the first time since I can remember. Um, and then they pop <laughs> up with a goal. I, I just think there's something about 
whatever's going on in the Burnley camp, like since Dyche left, there's this togetherness and this energy around this Burnley side. And they're just, they are finding ways to win. Um, And it's the momentum that they're building. Now, obviously it could all vanish, um, but they've got Villa next to have been, you know, kind of teetering. They actually play Villa twice over the next four games because I think one of these was a rearranged fixture fixture from earlier in the season. Um, so they play Villa twice, Tottenham and Newcastle, which Tottenham and Newcastle, not exactly, especially Newcastle. I think, <laughs> I think Newcastle have actually been like the second best team in the country in terms of points collected since the, since Eddie Howe, like, join the team they've they would be like second in the table for points gain like since then but anyways um Burnley Burnley have a real shot here and they really like with with the way Everton has gone like if Burnley find a way to win two of these games that that's probably enough I think I mean personally I think they have to win both the Villa games because I don't see them beating Newcastle no um they Newcastle have their number in the Premier League, um, and that that dates back quite a couple of matches. Well, actually, yeah, yeah. Although, no, they Burnley beat them in the cup, I think once, yeah. like last summer or something. But Burnley beating um, Chris Wood though would be that would be funny. Like <laughs> that would be. Hilarious. I don't. I'm not rooting for Burnley to survive. I just think it would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that that's that's got a lot of implications, and for once, it's not because Newcastle are fighting the uh the drop so <laughs> right <laughs> yeah which credit to them yeah they they clawed their way well well clear of uh of, of the drop zone when it was looking pretty much like nailed on that they were going down so um yeah credit to the job eddie howe has done um as a as a way of of going um yeah clearing clearing their way and and clearing the way for that project to continue i guess but all that being said, in the Premier League, still a lot to play for. There are three teams really in the thick of it. But in the championship, we have a champion or we have a, a yeah, um, I guess they're not necessarily guaranteed champions yet, um, but Fulham are back up. Um, they have qualified for automatic promotion and... Um, Fulham's return I mean we saw like we've seen the the ups and downs I guess I wanted to spend a minute on Marco Silva's Fulham because Marco Silva obviously he's previously managed in the Premier League uh for uh well Everton but was he at Watford before Watford yeah, yeah. Watford before so he brings Fulham back up and this is a very different Fulham side than the one that Scott Parker in terms of style, the one that Scott Parker brought up via the playoffs against Brentford a couple of years ago, that team very defensive, very like they, they really, I argued didn't really deserve to be back in the premier league. (laughs) This Fulham side, through 44 games, so two two games still to play, have 99 goals for and 39 against. Like they've they've a plus 60 goal difference, and they've absolutely stormed 
the championship um, this season. They've I, maybe lost a few more games than they than the goal difference suggests, but the reality here is that Fulham, Marco Silva's Fulham has a different, a very different vibe than the Fulham that got promoted a couple of years ago. I, yeah, I think that's fair, just in terms of the attacking flair and the the intention when they're on the ball. And I mean, we have to mention what Alexander Mitrovic has done this season. You know. <laughs> shattering the just set record of goals in, in the championship in the season by Ivan Tony last season. I think Ivan Tony had what 20, 30 something, 29. I don't know, but Mitrovic has 41 goals and counting 41 <laughs> goals, like in a 46 like, game season. Outrageous. Like absolutely a joke. Like he's the ultimate, championship striker i mean he's done it so much at this level it's crazy um yeah i mean he's he's definitely i think cemented himself as a full of icon at this point and yeah i mean the you it's interesting that you point out that the stylistic change because with that being said there are still like a lot of old heads in this fulham side that Microsoft has been able to get a tune out of a la Tim Ream, like Tim Ream's had a very good season. Yeah. Tom Kearney's still there captaining the side, if I'm not mistaken. But then you've got these young boys around the side, like Fabio Carvalho and, and Harry Wilson, who who have been able to contribute as well. So, um, but yeah, um, add Cabano as well to that list of someone who's been at Fulham for many, many seasons now and yeah. and is is contributing in, in a tangible way. So it's, it's, it's impressive for Marco Silva, but I think too that he knows that the Premier League is still a totally different beast and it is going to be, I think it's still going to be tough for them to translate that into winning Premier League football. Um, and yeah, I just wonder what they, what they plan to do in the summer as far as uh, recruitment, if they want to, cause they have to be careful cause we've seen Fulham go out and spend a whole bunch and, yeah. you know, completely upset the, the, synergy if you will of yeah. the locker room um and instead of relying more on the players that got them promoted in the first place so it, i think fulham will have to change tack but i just wonder what that's gonna look like but for now fulham fans can definitely enjoy it and i think it is a little bit like <laughs> if i'm a fulham fan i wouldn't know how to feel because it's fun being in the championship and supporting fulham um and the premier league sometimes can be so bleak for them as a, as a yo-yo <laughs> club so um, but anyway, at this, you know, right now, congratulations to them. It does look like they're going to win the title if they haven't already done. But yeah, automatically promoted for sure. I think anything. Yeah, basically uh, any result uh, across the last two games of the season would guarantee them the title because um, mm. Bournemouth have a five. It's a five point gap. So if they can make it six, like if Fulham can make it six, then six or more, then they'll definitely be champions because they'll, um, they have a far superior goal difference, but Fulham suffering a little bit from that, like Bayern hangover where like they got promoted and they've been kind of not good over the last like five games. <laughs> like they, oh. they have, they've lost three of their last five and just one win in five. So yeah, a little bit of a, of a promotion hangover there. Uh, I think it's safe to say, um, <laughs> kind of stumbling over the line, but, um, 
my our our intern has handed me the the stat on Ivan Tony. It was a 31 goal game se- goal season in the championship. That was the okay. previous record. Um, so, so he smashed that by 10 goals and counting. Yeah. And this is not like a this is not like a recent, you know, it's not like oh they changed the name of the competition. Like this is in like the second division. Like basically since this structure has existed. Um <laughs> Yeah. So I think the I think you make a really good point though about Fulham not going out and just spending like crazy because I do think I do think we've seen them get unbalanced or um yeah, just become just become a different side when they get up into the league and they're trying to figure out too much where I right. think we've seen like the teams that really do a good job of stabilizing in the Premier League in that first season are ones that don't go out and make a bunch of changes like the I mean Sheffield United is probably a bad example because of how that like project kind of blew up but the oh, but that first season was sensational though. Yeah. And so. I'm thinking like Brentford is probably a decent example this season. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's just been a lot of teams that come in and try to try to really like go hell for leather and try to climb up the league in the first season. When in reality, I think they should just they should try to stabilize. But that all has a giant asterisk on it because they scored 99 goals this season. If 40 of those come from a guy who, for whatever reason, turns into a pumpkin every time he's back in the Premier League, like <laughs> that, that's that's the question mark for Fulham is like, can Mitrovic continue to to contribute at a high level? And obviously, no one's expecting him to go out and score, you know, 30 goals next season, but if he's contributing like that share, I mean, he scored just shy of half their goals right and and the other concern too is not only does he if he gets you know pumpkinified as you said (laughs) but also harry wilson who's a big contributor 16 assists 10 goals is on loan from liverpool so that could end on top of that the next guy fabio carvalho is going to liverpool yeah so you know Which, which i would i would probably say that Wilson as part of that deal like I'm sure there's maybe been some like considerations where Wilson okay like the that deal might be made my question might be made permanent like almost as a way to like get Carvalho um mm. but um but yeah that Harry Wilson, I I love Harry Wilson, so I would have loved to see him like get more of a shot at Liverpool, especially in that. I think the timing of all of it was a little bit weird because we saw the likes of Curtis Jones and and now Harvey Elliott like get a chance in that like most advanced role in midfield, which Wilson would be kind of. I think he'd be like prime for that. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, the timing's not right. I would say, or the timing wasn't right for Harry. I would say, I I'd be super excited to see him back in the Premier League though with with Fulham. I think that would be because he has. I mean, he's turned into a fan favorite over there, and and rightfully so because yeah. he is a super creative player and scores the odd banger with his le- his wand of a left foot. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no the the point being though that it's. 
it's it's going to be hard, I think, to translate all of this offense to a Premier League level where the defending is uh, top class, I mean, yeah. I have to say, and, and they're going to be up against it. But, um, yeah, I don't know what it is about Mitrovic because you would think it'd be not harder to score in the championship, but it's not easy. I mean, you're coming up against some really cynical bastards <laughs> <laughs> week in, week out for 40-plus games. Uh, so... We'll see if Mitro can do the business next season. But In the rest of the championship race, Bournemouth sits second now, and that is Scott Parker's Bournemouth, where mm. he he went from Fulham after that. So anyways, I think we talked about that storyline at the time, but um, the reality is Bournemouth are in the automatic promotion place, but they're also in a little bit of a weird spot because they... Have a they have a game in hand um, over some of the teams. Most of the teams in the championship, actually, aside from Fulham, Bournemouth, Forest, and Luton, have played forty five. Right. Bournemouth and Forest play huge match on Tuesday. On Tuesday, huge. huge. And they are separated by three points in the league right now. So the reality here is that Bournemouth. Bournemouth will will take a draw, but if Forest win that, Forest have a superior goal difference by one goal. Yeah, so and, they and would recently, actually move above Bournemouth, level on points, but ahead on goal difference going into the final match day, where I think Bournemouth plays Millwall. Yeah, Bournemouth plays Millwall and Forest. Who's Forrest got? Hull City. Hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of potential stuff going on here. Um, yeah, that that's a huge match, and it'll be at the Vitality Stadium. So Bournemouth are hoping they'll they'll pack that place out. But yeah, Forest are crazy though because their recent form is like pretty good and they have kept like one two three five clean sheets in their last seven wow so i mean to take that on the road we'll have to see but i want to talk about forests for a bit here because steve cooper has done a magnificent job nine forest finished 17th last season yeah they flirted with relegation to league one throughout the last couple of years and just been kind of a basket case of a club, which is a shame given their history. They are European Cup winners, yeah. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I mean, this is a big, big club. Yeah. Back to back European Cups, if you will, actually in, in 1979 and 80, I believe. Yeah. It was basically um, right before, like right before Liverpool's little run. Yeah. In the yeah. 80s, yeah. Yeah, so Forrest, like, huge, huge club. What Steve Cooper has done is is amazing um, because I don't think even at the beginning of the season anyone thought that Forrest would be in this conversation. Um, I, I would have sooner thought of um, Blackburn, maybe West Brom, like some something like that, you know? Uh, so it's it's amazing where they are right now. And I, I would be... I would I would welcome Bournemouth back because I think that they're a really cool club. I think they're small, you know, from the south. Like we and and they have played exciting stuff in the past under Eddie Howe. Um, obviously that'll be a little bit different with Scott Parker, but Nottingham Forest is like 
heritage. <laughs> this is a heritage pick for promotion. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm I kind of hoping that they will come up, even though they've frustrated Arsenal a lot in the FA Cup <laughs> over the past couple seasons. Yeah. But uh, it's just amazing. It's amazing what they've done this season. And obviously, the championship season is extremely long, 46 games. But it's worth noting, too, that Chris Hutton actually began the season with the job again. Mm. And um, Forrest lost six of their first seven. And drew the other, and then didn't get their first win until under Stephen Reed, the interim, the interim manager, on that eighth match day of the season. That was their first win, so they were yeah. stuck to the bottom of the table. The, the bottom, yeah. For the first, you know, for the first seven match days, and then finally started to climb out. Um, but the run, the run they went on, like for the rest of the season, to be in the position that they are now, having started so poorly speaks to to I guess like first and foremost just how how much a group of players can be changed by having the right manager having the right personality the right system all of those things um but speaks to their character too because as a group it would have been easy for them to all be like well I guess we're going down and this is you know we're just not very good and now they've got a chance to go right. to the Premier League. Uh, like, a, a, you know, they're within striking distance of an automatic promotion place, and they almost certainly will finish amongst the playoff places if they haven't confirmed the playoffs already, which I, they have, actually. So they will at least definitely be in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, amazing given how poor how poor the, the season started for Forest fans. They, they're dreaming now of... of top flight football once again what do you make of Bournemouth though and, and what they've been able to do under Scott Parker is it, it is, is it a surprise do you think or that um... they've been that they've been this good I mean I think I think Bournemouth I guess the question the question marks around like where players would go and like whether they'd be able to keep up the level after the departure you know departure of the likes of like Arno Danjuma and and others. Um, I think the I think maybe the surprise is just the output of Dominic Solanke, and and I don't mean that in a disparaging mm. way at all. I just mean that I think coming out of his time at Liverpool, I don't think anyone was thinking, "Hey, this guy's going to be a volume striker anywhere," and he's just been that guy for Bournemouth. Like he's been a consistent presence and. He's not lighting it up like Mitrovic by any stretch of the imagination, but he's had a really well, I mean, good season. Twenty nine goals though, he's second yeah. best. He's and just that's... shy of the record. Like he's two goals <laughs> yeah. off the record, the old Ridiculous. record. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's had he's had a really, really great season. And I think I think that is I mean, that's made obviously a, a huge, huge difference for Bournemouth, but um But I think too they haven't been I, and I don't know if this is a level of growth of Scott Parker or if he believes in this Bournemouth side more than he did like his Fulham side, but mm. they, they're not a cynical team. Like this is, they, they set up and they're pretty proactive. Like they, they play, they play football. So it's maybe he just feels like he's got the pieces to be able to play something more proactive or maybe he, maybe he mm. learned a lesson at Fulham where it's like, 
cynicism like can only get you so far. Um, <laughs> I'm not sh- I'm not sure, but yeah, I think it's been it, Bournemouth are a fun team to watch. Um, you, you know, even even under Scotty P. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I th- I think it'll be. I don't know that it's a surprise to see them back in these in these places because they do have a lot of a lot of really good players, but the um, maybe I didn't expect them to bounce right back the way that they have. I think that's fair. Yeah, I I, I want to touch on Dom Solanke as well. I, I'm really happy that he's found a home at Bournemouth. I mean, he scored 15 goals last season, which was really good too, and nearly doubled that. You know, with the 29, like we spoke about. So that's that's huge. Um, and also, I mean, I wonder too, like this is getting into like the intangible stuff, but I wonder how much they've rallied around David Brooks, who, you know, was diagnosed with cancer and is a very promising player for them. Um, and, and for Wales obviously hasn't been able to play much this season, but yeah, it's just a nice story. And Bournemouth are just like a nice club. (laughs) I I feel like, does anybody hate them? Like, that's kind of strange to me, you know? (laughs) Um, so yeah. And the vitality is a really like small and kind of quaint and i don't mean that disrespectfully but like kind of a quaint stadium on the south coast so yeah um if they come up i wouldn't be be too upset about it i i enjoyed them when they were in the premier league last time although they just shipped goals so maybe that's something that that uh parker can address um uh for this time if they do come up the uh the other teams in with a shout and it's worth it's worth mentioning that uh Huddersfield are level with Forest on on points, but uh, with with having played a game more, so a little bit of a skewed uh, view there. But Huddersfield, Luton Town, um, and and Sheffield United round out the playoff places with Middlesbrough and Millwall still in with an outside chance of of getting into that last that last playoff place, but. Um, Little surprised to see Luton up, up here because I mean it wasn't so long ago that Luton Town were in League Two. <laughs> yeah, they've climbed pretty pretty dramatically as well, and and they've got a really I w- I don't know if it's big, but at least a dedicated fan base. Um, just you know on the outskirts of of London at Kenilworth Road, if they come up like that would be really interesting because this squad is. I don't know. I mean, I, it's not really made up of a bunch of players that have a whole lot of Premier League experience outside of like Robert Snodgrass and <laughs> um, and maybe their goalkeeper. But I mean, if I'm looking at the squad, I'm like, I don't know a lot of these players. So in that yeah. way, the novelty would be uh, really interesting. But um, yeah, the playoffs, we know, notoriously really tough. Um, and even that, like you said, Middlesbrough and Millwall, like they still have an outside shot. Middlesbrough, like, sorry to jump around, but they under Chris Wilder, they've been really good too. So, like, yeah. there's been this, like, manager shuffle in the championship, and everyone, you know, not everyone, but for the most part, a lot of these teams are, are benefiting. So, um, yeah. I, uh, I do... I do like how how some of these matchups could potentially shape up, although there's a part of me that's like 
is there a way that Middlesbrough can sneak into the playoffs and face Sheffield United in the playoff? Like that's wow. <laughs> that's that's the the mess that I'm looking for. But I I wouldn't begrudge <laughs> Luton Town uh, Luton Town getting in. Um, interesting interesting little fact with uh Luton is their top goal scorer Elijah Adebayo is a Fulham youth product um wow. who's he's okay. been on loan all over all over the the football league um but has has found a home in the championship at Luton um and then uh their second top goal scorer Harry Cornick um ha- actually spent a significant amount of time at at well being loaned out from Bournemouth wow okay (laughs) and is actually he moved from Bournemouth to Luton in 2018 and is now and is now has been there for four years but um yeah a connection to the top two sides from from the top scorers at uh at at Luton Town just a weird little weird little tidbit there that is very interesting um, Elijah Adebayo had has had quite a season. Sixteen goals, four assists. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And Luton, Luton definitely on the uh, the more industrious end. I think along with Huddersfield in terms of like how they've gotten results in the championship because you know sixty two sixty two goals for and forty seven and forty eight against uh, for both those sides. So similar approach. Um, in that it's been pretty. They're winning a lot of, you know, two nils, two ones, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of that. But anyways, um, yeah, so Fulham's up, Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest play in an absolute <laughs> showdown for an automatic I'm gonna be, promotion wa- I'm place. I'm going to be watching that, like maybe not watching the game, but I'll definitely be looking for updates on on Tuesday cuz that is massive. Yeah. This late in the season cuz there are just two games left for most of these teams or for these teams in the in the championship and then we we head into the final like the final match day of the season is the week is Saturday May 7th um is you know mm-hmm. the the conference like everybody playing at once <laughs> um yeah. on the final day. So yeah, I mean they could make it extremely interesting if if uh if Forest win that in their level with Bournemouth going into the final day, that's that'll make for yeah, box office. Um for sure. So yeah, really interesting. And then and then as we said, Luton and uh Huddersfield, Luton Town, and Sheffield are currently in the playoff places, but Middlesbrough and Millwall can still sneak in. So yeah, still all to play for at the top end of the championship and we'll be be watching those watching those races with interest um well mika you want to take take a little trip down to germany and uh and take a look at how the bundesliga and zweite bundesliga are shaping up let's do it because this is this is germany's time to shine is is may and june so the (laughs) yeah the title long long gone you know Bayern canter to the title we talked about that last time out you know uninteresting European places still extremely interesting, but down at the bottom of the table, there's still there's still some movement, and in the Zweite Bundesliga is really where where the action is. But um, at the bottom of the Bundesliga, unfortunately, Greuterfurt's time uh, in the top flight was extremely short lived. Uh, this is a a case of a team just 
not having the squad to right to hang at the top level. Maybe it came a little bit too soon for for Furt. Um, a little bit like uh, Armenia Bielefeld is not relegated yet. There are two games left in the season. They still have a chance to climb out of the rele- the relegation place or the automatic relegation place into the playoff place above Stuttgart, who are in that 16th spot. Um, you do have to feel for Stuttgart a little bit, given the significant injuries and yeah. the time, the, the suspension um, as well to... Uh, well, Mvupa, I believe, is his real name. Um, yeah, Silas Mvupa, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the significant injury to um, their striker as well. Um, gosh, and his name is eluding me. Kalajic? Yeah, Kalajic was out for like a long time. I think he had like a shoulder injury for for quite a long time. But anyways, he and then Tangi Kulibali had dropped a shocker this season. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. just been not good. It's been rough. So at at the bottom there, Hertha Berlin look like I mean they're four points they're four points clear of Stuttgart, um, and they look like just maybe they will have done enough this year to again stay out of relegation trouble despite the millions and millions of dollars they spent to try to re- <laughs> reform that side their their run-in though is Mainz who just beat Bayern you know whose Mainz is this and Dortmund <laughs> and on the Dortmund. final day so yeah 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 and a, a Dortmund that's ra- wrapped up Champions League but you know that I don't know that Dortmund ever ever mail in a performance uh, on purpose. Right, right. <laughs> they do, they do it accidentally all the time though. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. So Stuttgart Stuttgart in the relegation playoff place, um, and the bottom two teams are looking a little bit settled. Although Stuttgart um, Stuttgart have Bayern this coming Sunday, and then they play Köln on the final day. Um, With Köln have just been excellent this season, and it pisses me off. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah, Köln, like, I mean, we we have obviously been talking about them in, like, relegation terms in recent years, but they are in sixth. Um, They've won four in a row, um, and they actually win above Union, who have been excellent this season. (laughs) And, and, yeah, into that that conference league place um so yeah there's a a very real chance that the billy goats could be in europe next season which is pain (laughs) for the gladbach fans in attendance it is pain (laughs) i'm just the less i say about gladbach season i'm i'm just not gonna mention um dumpster fire absolute dumpster fire and uh but yeah, so Stuttgart have a tough couple of games. Um, so there is still maybe a, a chance that because Arme- Armenia Bielefeld play Bochum um, next weekend, and then they have RB Leipzig on the final day, which is not an enviable position to be in because Leipzig will have it basically all to play for in terms of securing mm-hmm. Champions League for next season. So. 
And they're still fighting on two other fronts with Europe and the Pokal. Yeah. I don't know how timing wise how that works out, but just uh, Leipzig are busy. Let's put it that way. That's that's true. That may that may work in their favor in uh, in in Armenia's favor a little bit, but yeah, Leipzig. So Leipzig play Gladbach tomorrow in the league, and then they play Rangers on Thursday in Glasgow, and then they play Augsburg this coming weekend. Armenia the following weekend, and then the Pokal final the weekend after that. So, against Freiburg, in which yeah. the whole of Germany and maybe the maybe the world minus the city of Leipzig itself will be rooting for Freiburg to win. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I digress from from the task at hand, which is ultimately okay. So we we know that there's a couple of teams likely going to go down. Stuttgart is in that relegation spiel place yeah. who in this vita bundesliga is coming up and is is the real question and the, the answer at this point two games from the end of the season is we don't have any clue because this thing <laughs> is like so locked tight we have uh, a crazy promotion race happening in this vita bundesliga yeah so schalke are top 59 points but go down to what eighth, Heidenheim at forty six. That is not a big spread. Yeah, <laughs> like there are theoretically like five, six, maybe even seven teams fighting for two automatic promotion playoff or promotion places, and then the playoff. But I mean, Schalke are atop. Are we surprised by that, or what do you make of Schalke and and the season that they've had? I I am. I think I I honestly need to. I have to out myself like cold takes exposed or whatever because I think like <laughs> I think I said on this show that I thought that Schalke I think we were talking about Matthew Hoppe going to going to Mallorca and and mm. it being the sign of like yeah just get out of there because the way that sometimes these things happen in Germany like you can see a team just like go back to back like it could be they could be stuck down there for a while like maybe they replicate kind of what how his vow has done where it's been like they haven't really put it back together and like bounce right back and um they could they could flounder for a couple of years in this vita bundesliga and i think i think i just have to give credit where it's due because schalke's schalke's done what they're supposed to in terms of like they've they've put themselves back amongst the the promotion places and back into the conversation um it was looking pretty bleak uh a couple like last weekend when bremen went to schalke uh, to gelsenkirchen and beat them 4-0 <laughs> or 4-1 right. or whatever it was but they got they right. they like absolutely blew them away um and then they turn around and this this match day happens where Schalke beat Sandhausen on a 91st minute winner from Simon Tarota, who again he's the he he is the Mitrovic of the Zweite Bundesliga. He totally is, and I'm not gonna lie when he when when Schalke announced that they were signing Simon Tarota, I'm not gonna lie, I snickered a little bit because it was like. That is the most obvious signing you could make <laughs> for like a, a 
is vital, but it's like a campaign because he's been the top scorer in the second division for Bochum in 2016, Valfell Stuttgart in 2017, and FC Köln in 2019. Mm-hmm. And he won the title with the latter two. He's the record scorer in the Zweite Bundesliga with 166 goals and counting. So, you know, been a monster for them, 27 goals. Like, he has absolutely done what he came to do, what they brought him in for. But I, it just, I just laughed at that a little bit because it was like, <laughs> yeah, like that's obviously what you're going to do. Um, and, and on top of that, Schalke still have some of their top flight talent in the team. Yeah, I mean, they did have a bit of a fire sale when they got relegated, but um, they're still – bits and pieces here and there of, of that team that got relegated and, and should be playing at a higher level. So um, surprising, but like kind of not Schalke yeah. are a huge club and they need to be in the, in, in the top flight where they belong, honestly. Well, and I, I think credit to, to Mike Buskins or Bushkins as well, because this was a job that I think most would not have just wouldn't have touched mm. like poison chalice. It was so bad. Like at, at the end of the season last year, like or, the fans were literally chasing players or outside. The yeah, arena. yeah. Like that's yeah. scary. And <laughs> so, um, so yeah, Bushkin's uh, he's a former, like a former Schalke player. He made 223 appearances for the club. He is still technically interim mm. like having taken over for Gramatsis who who got sacked in March <laughs> right he's taken over until the end of the season but the response has been great and he's got them he you know mission accomplished like so far so it's just a matter of like whether they can get it over the line yeah. um and it was looking pretty. It was looking pretty bad because they get beat by Bremen real bad. They head into this match day. They're actually, you know, late into the match. They are drawing with Sandhausen, who are are further down the table. Um, Bremen jumped out to it like Werder jumped out to an early two 0 lead against Holstein Kiel. So, like all things considered, it's looking like it was looking like Werder were actually going to like extend their lead at the top of the table. Schalke grab a late winner, and meanwhile, Werder cave in, and Holstein Kiel scores three three goals, one in the first half stoppage time, and then a 71st minute and an 85th minute winner from, from Julian Korb, wins it for Kiel, and all of a sudden, you've got this total shakeup at the, at the top of the table where Schalke's back top, Werder are down to third because meanwhile Darmstadt were putting a six nil beating on Erzgebirge Aue to go above Werder on goal difference. So like, is anyone following this? Like, <laughs> like Julian Korb, that is a player I haven't thought of in a yeah. long time. He used to be at Gladbach. Yeah. Julian Korb scored for Holstein Kiel to who have nothing to play for, but they played spoiler in, in, uh, mm. In, well, that whole monologue just Bremen. goes to show what a freaking mess this is so, and why it's probably the best promotion race every season, honestly. In your yeah. Life. So Schalke's top on 59. Darmstadt and Werder Bremen are both on 57. Darmstadt is in second. They now have a far superior goal difference to, to Werder. 
Verder's in third, but they're only three points clear of Howis Vow, who are still in fourth. And so with two match days left, like they could still end up in the in the mix, as could uh, Sao Paulo. So mm-hmm. all of those top five teams have a shot at like have a legitimate shot at those those top uh top places and um yeah i mean if if the season ended today verder would would play stuttgart for a spot in the bundesliga which would be that is like i mean that's two huge clubs like there's yeah two gigantic yeah. german clubs playing each other like stuttgart one of the like most successful clubs like of the i guess like the pre unification <laughs> Right. um and right. and Werder like famous you know famously like a long a long long stay in the top flight um ended you know just last season so um shout out Darmstadt though by the way I want to touch on them because yeah. this is a historic club they were founded 123 years ago um they've been in the Bundesliga as recently as 1617 I think they were in there for two seasons They've got two players with 20 goal involvements in Luca Pfeiffer and Philip Tietz. 15 goals each, five assists each. Yeah. Like, what a tandem. <laughs> <laughs> um, not a lot of top-flight experience in this Darmstadt side that I could see, uh, but if they do come up, I mean, that that's pretty exciting um, because they are – I think they're tied for goals scored with Schalke, who, of course, have the monster Tejoda, so – I, I wonder uh, how that would translate to the Bundesliga if it does, if they keep that spot, obviously. Yeah. Um, as you said, over, only over Werther on, on goal difference. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, there's just so much here that it's almost hard to talk about because it could change so dramatically from one match day to the next. And, yeah, I mean, just in terms of these these final match days as as they close out the season – a lot of these teams like still are playing it in you know each other in some like permutation. So Schalke plays on Pauli. Um, wow! This weekend, so that could have the potential to really shake things up. I, the rest of the contenders are playing um, like non, I guess non you know promotion contenders. But then um, on the final day. Yeah, I guess a lot of these, a lot of these, unfortunately, there's not like a big blockbuster on the final day of any of these teams like playing each other. Um, <laughs> but uh, there, there's just a lot that could happen. I mean, Hausvau have Hansa Rostock, Schalke play Nuremberg, Werder, Jan Regensburg, and, and uh, Sao Paulo, Dusseldorf, um, and Darmstadt play Paderborn. So. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of there's a lot of potential here for for big things to happen, and I think your shout for I think your shout for Darmstadt is is something I wanted to to touch on too, just because if I'm not mistaken, they were in the Bundesliga. Okay, I I, I was I was mistaken. They were okay, so they were further down the Zweite Bundesliga, but they, they weren't relegated from the Zweite Bundesliga. I, I was thinking that they may have had a brief stay in the Drittenliga. Um, but this is a team that only made it to the profession, like the fully professional ranks of German football in 2011. They, <laughs> Shit. 
like I well, and that. I say I say that like they had a stay in the Zweite Bundesliga in the eighties and nineties, but like I in terms of they were down in the regional ligas from nineteen ninety four until two thousand and eleven. What a come up! Yeah, wow. and so they went. They spent three seasons in the Dritten Liga, a season in the Zweite Bundesliga, and one promotion to the Bundesliga, like uh, in a playoff the first time, which is, um. Yeah. And stayed that that they made it two seasons, yeah. Yeah, and so maybe in with a chance of getting back up. So yeah, it, it's just a cool club because it's not it's not a traditional you know power mm-hmm. and and they are have a lot of uh, of time in the kind of the amateur ranks of of the German game. So um, cool to see them back up and and yeah, they're doing. They're doing bits, but yeah, I mean, if there's any, if there's any, if ESPN plus like deigns to show any of these games because they are so like wishy-washy with the broadcast rights, um, definitely tune in to, to some of the contenders. Cause I, and I wish, and if you can find it, I don't have like a spot to find it, but if you can find a German broadcaster doing a conference on the final day of this Vita Bundesliga, where it's a whip around to all the goals and all the, like, it's a very popular style um, in Germany. If you can find that on the final day of the Zweite Bundesliga, I would suggest you do it because there's going to be some stuff that happens on the final day and there's going to be a lot of moving parts. So, so definitely, uh, you know, I'm not endorsing any illegitimate ways of watching broadcast television, but if you can find it on the internet, <laughs> you know, I'd encourage you to, you know, whatever, use your means. So <laughs> nice. We've got Spain as well. España. A lot happening a lot happening in Spain too. I mean, to touch on to touch on La Liga briefly, it it is again <laughs> like there's something about La Liga where the teams at the bottom just refuse to to distance themselves. Like there is no, <laughs> there is no Norwich, there is no there is no Greuterfurt. Like Levante going into the last two match days, they are the bottom of the table. They are not mathematically eliminated. This this happens though, where it's the table is just tight in Spain. Like period. Yeah. I mean, even all the way up, like Atletico could fall out of Europe altogether. Like that's where we are in in, yeah. in Spain right now. Um, and obviously, Real Madrid just crowned champions. But yeah, at the bottom there, Granada, Mallorca, Cadiz, even Hetafe could get pulled into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll just be really, really fascinating to see what ends up happening. But Levante and, and Alaves, I think they've been like consistently like the worst performing sides yeah so if they go down i don't know that that'd be too much of a shock no and that's what but it is it's just cool going into a relegation fight like this where the last two match days still matter for each of these teams like there is no yeah no it's there there's basically no dead rubbers like they're either they're either competing (laughs) to try to stay out of the relegation places or like the people you know the there's maybe like three or four teams in here that truly have nothing to play for like um i guess like osasuna to espanol so ninth to Mm -hmm. 14th like that's kind of where that's kind of where like the dead rubbers are 15th yeah. and below are all still playing to avoid relegation <laughs> and 8th and up are still playing for potentially making it to Europe. Like that's 
yeah, a great place for a league to be um, if you're not going to have a title race. Exactly, yeah. I Liga below Real Madrid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ancelotti and the the boys, um, which that picture, I, I know this isn't about the Real Madrid winning the title, but like that picture of Ancelotti smoking the cigar with like alibi ice and cold so, <laughs> ice cold it's so he's yeah unreal if unreal. any of us could even aspire to be that cool at, in our 60s like my god <laughs> what uh, a what an achievement by the way i know we're getting off topic but yeah to win all five all five top league trophies uh, oh yeah it's unbelievable nuts but yeah well, Segunda, um, let's talk Segunda because this yeah. is interesting. Yeah. So, Abar are currently top yep. on 74 points. As you, as most know, they are quite a small club, fan-owned. They've got over 8,000 fan-overs around the world. They were relegated last season, and they play in a, a tiny municipality in the Basque Country. So, to see them possibly bouncing right back up is really heartwarming because they did stay for several seasons in, in La Liga against all odds you would say yeah um but almeria are right behind them 73 points and a much superior goal difference and i think almeria's run-in is much more manageable than abar's because abar will be playing real Valladolid and i believe tenerife whereas almeria have a bunch of teams further down the table so yeah i think it's I, i've talked about almeria on this podcast before and people probably have no idea who they are but I think this might finally be their year where they come up to La Liga and really show people what they're about because this is a club that has had a ton of investment poured into it by Turkey Al Sheikh, who is a Saudi he's part of the Saudi Royal Court or whatever. I think he has a he's like the director or something of their like sports division. I don't know, but yeah. you know, of Saudi extraction. Um by far the most valuable club in Segunda. Um, and I mean, they're the club. Let's put it. Let's put it this way: they're a club that brought Darwin Nunez to Europe, and now this dude is being linked with big money moves to Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, what have you. So yeah. um, this is a big hitter in in Segunda with a lot of money. So um, and they've got a lot of good players. It was like Umar Sadiq and Lucas Robertone, like just a really interesting squad that you know for wherever the money comes from we can definitely have uh issues with that but ruby's done a really good job here when you know it didn't work out for him at real betis necessarily but he's doing good at almeria so segunda is really really interesting to me i uh i always love i mean because almeria's andalusian club also Almeria, yes, yes, they are yeah. in Andalusia, yeah. So in the same province, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a cool like I, I mean I I always like to see a good mix of you know, and I think there are maybe more Andalusian clubs uh, these days with with the Sevilla Sevilla's you know representation and everything, but um, yeah. but yeah, the um, I mean, it is extremely cool that Ibar are, are like likely back, you know, um, mm-hmm. in La Liga because I think that I think the a lot of the talk around them last season almost felt like a like a farewell in many ways, where it's like, hey, Ibar got relegated. The odds of them like getting back up here are are pretty slim. 
Cause like mm-hmm. there are these teams with like more resources in the Segunda. So like maybe they never come back type thing. And right. they came back at the first time of asking, like they're, they're basically back at the first time of asking, which is, it's just nuts. Like, because Unreal. they, they have so few resources. I mean, their stadium seats, 8,100 people like tiny. It's so tiny. And the yeah. town is so tiny too. Like the, and this is a team that has acquitted themselves like extremely well over their time in La Liga um, mm-hmm. and, and to come straight back, it's just such a credit to the way that that club is run um, because they, they remain competitive when they should have no business like being where they are. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just a great story like from a sporting perspective and, and maybe it's in like kind of contrast to Almeria in terms of resources and those sorts sure. of things. But, exactly. um, but no, I, I, I think Almeria is probably more so a, a story about it, a community that is going to get a chance to showcase themselves like at a, at a top flight level where they, they haven't, um, they haven't previously, um, what do you make of the playoff picture in Segunda? Because there's some familiar names that have been in La Liga and then maybe some others that haven't. Yeah. Well, Valladolid, uh, I guess unsurprisingly, like up towards the top um, because they definitely have had the... They've had La Liga experience um, semi-frequently. Uh, Tenerife, like... I always, I mean, between Mallorca, Tenerife, like, mm. I, I always find it funny when, like, clubs from essentially, like, vacation destinations, like, <laughs> end up, end up, like, making it. But, um, no, the island clubs are always interesting to me. Girona uh, has been, they were in, like, they were in this conversation. If I'm remembering, like, our similar episode last year where we were talking about the Segunda, like, Girona was in and around like this conversation of going up and, and it looks like they're just in that like outside, outside yeah. conversation again, um, where, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, can they do what Brentford did where <laughs> they got into the playoffs a cu- you know, a handful of times and it just like never worked out. And then they eventually just were able to, they continued to build on that. Or is it like, you know, you have these near misses and those were really like the shot to get back up and, and they don't build on that. But, um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it, how it plays out. Uh, two teams, two teams, like not in the promotion conversation that you would maybe have thought as I was looking at the upcoming fixtures tomorrow, Leganis mm-hmm. plays Huesca, um, yeah neither yeah, team like, uh has had a a great go of it in the the segunda campaign this time around Leganis is in 14th um and huesca is in 12th so kind of resigned to mid-table mediocrity this year but um i'm really excited to see where real oviedo are in the playoff pl- picture because yeah it's been a minute since we've had an Asturian club in La Liga, if I'm not mistaken, when Sporting Gijon was mm-hmm. relegated a couple years back. Um, and obviously they are huge, huge rivals. So yeah. 
it would be interesting if Rabe Oviedo can stick the knife in and get promoted because <laughs> um, they've they've been really really good this season um, and they've got really passionate fans a big ground that seats like 30,000 people um, and yeah I would like to see Rabe Oviedo come up they're actually owned by uh, a Mexican uh, conglomerate that's owned by Carlos Slim so um yeah, so that's just interesting yeah. there. Um, they've got some money uh, about them as well, although they, I think they've built reasonably, uh, not in a way that, not that all media have been unreasonable, but they've definitely thrown their money around a little more, uh, more than than others. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I hope I hope Real Oviedo can come up because that would be awesome. Oviedo unbeaten in eight. And they've won seven of those. Um, a draw to Lugo was the only was the only like blotch on that record. So they've been on an absolute tear recently, and that includes a win over Sporting Gijon in Gijon. Um, yeah, which... and that was wild that derby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're they're being led in goal scoring, I think, by Borja Baston, the Swansea City legend. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Oviedo's running is actually pretty favorable too, if they want to climb a little bit higher in these playoff places, because they play Malaga, who unfortunately are like trying to avoid relegation, basically. So sad. Yeah. Uh, Zaragoza, Las Palmas, and Ibiza. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, between between those four, like, there's some some extremely winnable games um, and, and Oviedo could find themselves a little bit higher up in the, in the playoff places. Um, and plus I would just love to see Oviedo come up because uh, famously Sid Lowe is a big Oviedo supporter. So I'd like to see how he takes that because <laughs> he's probably the preeminent uh, English speaking voice in, in Spanish football. So I would like to see that. indeed um yeah so i guess in terms of the actual uh nuts and bolts similar situation where there are playoffs in um in the segunda for promotion so um right now abar top amaria second vital lead is third with a game in hand on 69 points so in theory, they could make it extremely interesting with Almeria um, for that that second automatic promotion place. And then uh, Tenerife, uh, Girona, Oviedo are in the picture for the playoffs right now. Ponferradina is, is just kind of hovering. Mm-hmm. Um, and still very much in with a chance. Because still four match days left. For those who... Like, listen, last year, you remember that, like, the Segunda season carries on into, I like, the Euros had started before the Segunda playoffs were over. <laughs> yeah, it takes so long. Yeah, so there there were, this season goes on forever, and, like, well into the summer, so, um, so, yeah. Still, still a ways to go in the in the race for promotion in Spain, but a couple of interesting stories there for sure. Um, speaking of interesting, <laughs> Italy. 
Okay, Italy. Here we Syria, go. Serie Serie has been extremely interesting in and maybe one of, you know, I guess along with the Premier League, interesting at the top. Um and in terms of teams involved, Serie A was was had the most uh interesting, I guess, uh uh title race of any of the the major the major five leagues up until maybe the last couple of weeks with uh with Napoli just deciding to to meme um but anyways the the interesting the interesting thing here well and i guess inter is memeing too because they got beat by bologna i totally forgot about that anyways this (laughs) this title race is madness but at the at the bottom it's it's been we thought you know early in the season we thought like it was pretty much set and Salernitana is trying their best to make everybody look look dumb. They're three points from safety with two games in hand. They're doing a madness, like, low-key. Low I mean, they <laughs> brought in Davide Nicola, who is, you know, the relegation magician. I yeah. mean, he guided Torino to safety last season. Um, and, yeah, like, he's he's good at this. Uh, and he was appointed in February. So, I mean, I guess it's not the shocking in that sense. It's still, there's still plenty of work to do. Um, because, yeah, I mean, 25 points, that's that's not great. That's, that's a pretty big hole. And the, the signing of Frank Ribéry has, eh, I mean, he's got three assists. That's about it. I don't think it's as, as much of a how do I say this an impact as they would have liked him to have. I think that was more of like a publicity stunt than anything and a chance for Frank to live on the Amalfi coast. But um, yeah. Yeah. So then it's like, if they can survive, that would be amazing. But I mean, what's their running looking like Atalanta, Venezia, Cagliari, Empoli and Udinese. So, I mean, like they play Cagliari, like if they, yeah, that's huge. That is massive. Cause that is the I mean, team Venezia, sit- I guess, yeah. sitting just above them in the in the in safety. So I mean, in theory, if they can if they can get a win there, they could. I mean, I don't want to say guarantee, but they could they could essentially like escape. Yeah, um, yeah. They were bottom of the table three matches ago, and they've won. <laughs> they thirty thirty games into the season, dead last. They've played three games since then. They won all three. <laughs> Nuts. And I mean, yeah, they beat Sampdoria. And against good sides, Sampdoria, Udinese, Fiorentina, uh, Fiorentina, most like which is yeah. absolutely embarrassing for Fiorentina. But anyway. But yeah, um, and now they look in with a shout because they they do they have played their one of their games in hand is against Venezia, which is is going to be played on. Thursday. So they play Atalanta tomorrow. They play mm. they play Venezia on Thursday and then they uh they turn around and they play Cagliari on Sunday. Wow. Both of those matches against Venezia and Cagliari crucially I think are at home. Okay. So they yeah. go to they go to Bergamo, come home, play Venezia and play Cagliari. And then they have you think they'll do it? <laughs> I mean, Calgary still have to play Inter. And Inter are like fighting for their lives ever since they slipped to Bologna, so Yeah. Not their lives, but like 
the, the title. Scudetto yeah. lives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Salernitana do have to play Udinese again, and they play Empoli second to last match day. But yeah, last day of the season against Udinese is looking huge potentially mm-hmm. for for Salernitana to do to do a madness, as you said. Um, <laughs> Venezia, unfortunately, we talked last time. They got they got drawn into the relegation race and then became the relegation race. Like they they have, yeah, they've fired their manager. They are they are looking destined for the drop, unfortunately. And um, I think, I mean, I think at this point it would basically take with, yeah, I mean, with twelve points available that their max is 34 so they would basically need all of the all of the three teams above them to not to not pick up more than five points over the next four games or three games yeah they're 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 doomed and they would have to obviously pick up all of those which i mean four wins in a row is not looking likely when they haven't won in Oh gosh, I think it's worse than I thought. They haven't won since they beat Torino on February twelfth. Yeah, that was that was what I think Paolo Zanetti was sacked after eight straight defeats, which is like it's a little late. I yeah. mean, if you're gonna do that, Ten. I would have sacked him after the I don't know the Sassuolo shellacking. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, they're winless in ten. That's 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 harsh. Yeah. They're just they're just not good enough of a squad. Um and they broke their transfer fee for um his name escapes me, the the US international, Busio. Busio, yeah. Um which is I mean, I rate Busio, but it's like could that money have been used more cleverly? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they, there's not enough goals here, but Yeah. Um shout out to them for like having Americans like thanks, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, Genoa is the other side that um that's in this that's in this race. They're level on points with Salernitana, but they it's it's deceiving because they've played two more matches. So, um mm-hmm. they are technically chasing Cagliari, but it you know, a, they would also need Salernitana to like slow down. Um, because uh-huh. at the rate that they're going, it looks like Salernitana would actually catch and pass Cagliari, but Genoa wouldn't wouldn't keep pace enough to relegate, say, Spezia or or someone else like further up the table. Um, so Salernitana would have to would have to fall off. But um, but yeah, so really interesting at the at the bottom, and I mean. I, I guarantee you if someone went back in the archives of the show and looked for it, you could probably find multiple instances of me saying Salernitana are bottom and destined to go down um, <laughs> yeah. multiple times throughout the season. I know I've said it and here we are, you know, they have five games remaining and their safety in Serie A is very much still to play for. Yep. Um, In terms of teams coming up and obviously like, one of the interesting things about Italy, and I think it's even more so than than say Germany, where we're talking about a team like Darmstadt, they switch it up like 
maybe more maybe more so than like any pyramid i feel like because yeah. the names at the top of seria b like seria be be yeah be. that's fine seria b is fine whatever <laughs> the the names at the top are not like the the you know the mainstays or even like the recent the recent relegation um or the you know the recent Serie A rele- relegated teams it's been really a, a really interesting mix um and this one is another one similar to the Zweite Bundesliga that is tight at the top two points two points separate the top 3 and uh, five points, sorry, six points separate the top seven. Um, but they are now headed into their last match day. So this Friday is the last day of of the Serie B season. And Lecce mm-hmm. uh, is top. Monza is second, one point behind. Cremonese is is third, Pisa's fourth. Um, now, interestingly, in Italy, for those listening, the top eight teams actually go to the playoffs. So the top two are automatically promoted, and then three and four go to they qualify for the playoff semifinals, and then five, six, seven, and eight play like a play in round. The winners of those play three and four. Winner of that, winner of those games play in a final. Winner goes to Serie A. So, Cremonese, Pisa, Brescia, Benevento, Ascoli, and Frosinone are the teams currently in there with Perugia hovering just outside, um, trying to sneak into the playoff, that final playoff spot on the final day. Um, Obviously, of these of the top eight that are currently in playoff in playoff or better places, Benevento is really. I mean, Lecce I know has been in Serie A like recently, and Frosinone at one point was in Serie A. But in terms of recently relegated teams, or or you know relegated last year, Benevento is the only side in here that that was in you know Serie A and and is trying to make a return. So. Um, Lecce, Lecce were recently in Serie A, I think. Yeah, like a, they were like it was like poor two or three years ago, maybe. I think so. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's uh, Antonio Conte's hometown and where he started his career. Yeah. But yeah, I um, want Pisa to come up just because their arena is literally like a block from the Leaning Tower, <laughs> and that would just be nice, like vibes. <laughs> That's um funny. it's a bit of a barn actually their their arena arena garibaldi but that would just be fun <laughs> <laughs> i uh i was looking to at um at brescia in that fifth spot just because of one like the heritage of of brescia and like because Pirlo came mm. through Brescia, right? I think. Correct. And Brescia is is huge. Like Brescia's a huge rival with Atalanta. Um, oh yeah. So I would I would like <laughs> I would again I would like to see it. Like I would like to see <laughs> 
Brescia back in Serie A for those like Bergamo, like Brescia yeah. Bergamo uh, derbies, like those northern <laughs> northern derbies. But um, but yeah, this is a this is an extremely close race, and I think the moral of the story here is that any of the top four, nope, sorry, any of the top six. Sorry, yeah. No, I was right. I was right the first time. Any of the top four could sneak into the automatic promotion places on the final day. Um, and there's still like a lot of jockeying that can happen in those playoff places. Um, so on the final day, looking at the teams, so Frosinone and Pisa play each other on the final day, which is it, you know they're both in those playoff spots, so some movement could occur there. Lecce, I think, decisively play bottom of the table Pordenone. So mm-hmm. you'd expect Lecce to keep to keep their spot, um, and it would be a huge shock if the top of the table like lost their automatic promotion place because of a loss to bottom of the like a bottom of the table like already relegated. Um, yeah team like deeply deeply they've won three games like so it would be a huge shock if if that were to happen but um yeah i guess anything is possible um in terms of in terms of lecce like being top i was i was interested like they do have their like talismanic i guess center forward massimo coda who is 33 years old and has been, I would say, all over Italy by way of being loaned from Bologna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he spent some time being loaned out from Parma as well. Um, Scored a bunch of goals for Benevento too, I think. Yeah. His time there in, in Salernitana. So. Yeah. But yeah, 20 goals and 10 assists. It, in this Serie B season, um, and uh, yeah, Lecce in with a shout of of. I think he was the. I think he was the league's top scorer that season, that twenty twenty one season as well, uh, yeah. helping the club achieve playoffs. So, just some there's a, there's a theme here with uh, Mitrovic, Teroda, and Koda. Yeah, just like the the boss, uh, the boss strikers. I mean, it's interesting too that because Lecce is is an Apulian club, so like from the heel of Italy. Um, So I think that I think that in and of itself is interesting in terms of dynamic because often like the southern clubs get talked about as like you know Napoli, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but like Apulia is like. The south, the south, south, like the deep south. Yeah. <laughs> like, Indeed. Uh, so yeah, and um, and yeah, and as you said, Antonio Conte, like from from this neck of the woods, I think. Yep. So, um, so yeah, interesting, interesting stuff in in Italy, and it'll be it'll be. Like again, this is one where on the final day, ever it's all up for grabs. Um, well, I guess we'll I guess we'll close it out with with France. Uh, so, <laughs> Ligue 1, 
I mean, this in terms of in terms of interest at the top of the table again. I, I mean, similar to Germany in that like the PSG like canter to a title it was like deeply yeah. uninteresting. Um, unfortunately for us, for a league that was the most interesting probably last year. Um, yeah. that the, just not much to talk about at the top end of, you know, in terms of a title race, but at the bottom, there's still like, there's still some stuff going on here. Yeah. And it could be pretty seismic. I mean, FC mates are bottom. They're propping up the table. Um, you could argue it's deserved given that rebrand. I'll never forgive them. <laughs> for, for changing it's the, so uh, terrible yeah for changing the i mean i don't have any problem with the cross but the like yeah the the typeface like it's just awful yeah um they've been terrible this season absolutely shocking they've shipped 62 goals while only scoring 31 they've only have four wins um so n- you know no shock that they're in that bottom place in ligon and they likely won't be able to hold on to uh fabian Sentons who is their talented right back being uh, linked with moves to think, Crystal Palace and, and the like. So, uh, yeah, I don't see Miss <laughs> fixing yeah. this. It's a bit of a mess. Um, pardon the pun, because they go to Lyon, I think. Mm-hmm. They play Lyon and then Angers and PSG on the final day. So, like, ouch. Yeah. PSG are still trying to, like, stat pad because they're still, like, starting Mbappe <laughs> and stuff, even though they've won the title. So um, that'll be a terrible day out for them. Um, and then there's two huge clubs at the bottom here yeah. in Bordeaux, who are 19th. Talk about shipping goals. They've shipped 85 by far the most in in Ligue 1. <laughs> oh my god. Um, eight, yeah, I mean that's actually outrageous. It's over to uh, a game. Like that's insane. <laughs> yeah, and I mean in, Bordeaux, what can I say about Bordeaux? I mean they were bought by Gerard Lopez who left Leo in shambles financially. So, I'm not surprised Bordeaux are also a mess now. I mean they famously told Laurent Koscielny to leave and they excluded him from the first team because his 3 million Euro salary was too high. Um, and then he ended up retiring a few months later after they gave him some like ceremonial position in the club. So Porto are just not healthy right now. Um, and it's a shame because I think they've won like six league titles. Like this is a big club. Yeah. Um, and even bigger than them, arguably, Saint-Etienne are in the relegation playoff place in 18th. Uh, they only have seven wins on the season. Just a shocking... They've, they've conceded even more than Mets have. Um, and yeah, it's been really bad for Santetti and they, they sacked Club Well, um, and yeah, they're, the, the replacement hasn't done really much better and the, it's just a huge club that could potentially go down or, or have to play for their lives in that playoff, uh, that playoff place. So, I mean, we joked at the beginning of the season, like, damn, that's crazy. Claremont Foots like winning the league, but like, they might feel like they are by <laughs> not being in any of these spaces right now. They are just hovering above San Etienne with, you know, two points clear of them in 17th place. And then the likes of Lorient, Angers, Trot, like they're, you know, it keeps going. And it is pretty tight from about 14th down. Um, these teams all separated by one to two points. So, uh, yeah, Ligue 1, lots of, lots of play for for some of these clubs here. And, and San Etienne and Bordeaux not being in the top flight is going to be nuts if that comes to pass. 
Well, and and it does look like so we've got three games left. Bordeaux does still have a chance to potentially save themselves, but their form's been pretty poor. Yeah, not that Saint Etienne's been been much better, but I mean, it's funny. It, Sana, mentioning Saint Etienne is always funny because uh, like Liverpool won a European Cup in Saint Etienne, like they've hosted a European final. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyways, they, uh, yeah, San Etienne potentially going down. Although, I mean, I thought based on, like you said, like based on how they played this season, I'm shocked that it's not confirmed yet because there was a period of time where they just could not win. Like, mm-hmm. um, and they are in the relegation playoff place. Um, Bordeaux, though, the, the really interesting thing here, I think, is more so in the storyline in Ligue 2, like, while this is going on, because Bordeaux's biggest rivals... Yep, yep. <laughs> Toulouse are headed back to the top flight, almost certainly, and they're going to pass each other on the way. Um Toulouse, I, my obviously. notes literally say Bordeaux fans look away. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's one thing for Toulouse because Toulouse has done this whole like yo yo thing a couple of mm. times or whatever. But the Bordeaux's always finished comfortably above them and what you know watch them get relegated back down. Bordeaux going down and being passed by Toulouse. Yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow for for the the fans of Girondin de Bordeaux. Yeah, big yikes. <laughs> big yikes. Well, should we talk league though then because we should. like you said Toulouse 5 points clear at the top, 76 points. Do you know who's been the architect of this Toulouse side? The oh, I mean in terms of As, the manager? Not the manager, but the front office cuz there's a connection here to you. Is there? It's uh, yeah. So the president of Toulouse is is Damien Comoli. Wow. Who, uh, did some decent work at Liverpool. Helped sign Jordan Henderson and and some others. All right at Spurs. He was also you know served as a recruiter at Arsenal. Um, and Toulouse are just you know he's apparently got it right over at that Toulouse there, and they were taken over by Redbird Capital Partners, who are a U.S. Mm-hmm. like hedge fund or something or capital investment firm in, in 2020 and um they're reaping the benefits they've only lost three times yeah in, in the you know, all season so yeah damian Comoli is the president over That's there so, so i just funny. thought that was interesting what i mean what is the liverpool memory of him i mean signing jordan henderson at the time looked like crazy but i mean i think it's worked out he's that has worked out i think he's connected to like a period of time where the transfer policy and and recruitment like largely was a mess like <laughs> so yeah. i don't think he's remembered like super fondly by liverpool fans <laughs> only because it was such a turbulent time and like i yeah. mean it was to the point where any any podcast that you listen to like from liverpool fans were they were talking about the transfer committee and mm. like because there was this whole thing that they talked about where there's this committee and then Brendan Rogers has like veto power, but can also like recommend his own signings. So there would be these debates back and forth of like, Oh, is that a committee signing or is that a Rogers signing? And like, oh God. 
It was a mess. It was horrible. A horrible he time. Signed like, Lu- he had some hits, though, like Luis Suarez. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah no. I, he, that's fair. Well, and I think, like, the basically what ended up happening is, like, Common Wisdom said, hey, the committee signings are actually pretty good. Um, so, Camoli and company, like, sign, signing. And then... I, I want to say that Michael Edwards was part of the front office at that time and like eventually emerged as kind of the guy to take that like head of recruitment, you know, sort of spot. Um, mm. But yeah, I think Kamoli probably gets like a little bit of an unfair attachment to a time when really just like the club didn't take a strong enough stance in telling Rogers to like stay in his lane. Because... <laughs> um, I mean, and you can look at his time at Leicester too. Like Brendan Rogers, some of Brendan Rogers' like recruitment is like absolutely shocking. Like I have yeah. no idea what he like sees in some of these players. But the committee had to talk him into signing Roberto Firmino, and and yeah, thank God. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, I was looking through. I was looking through Toulouse's squad, and again, like this is there's just some weird. There's just like these weird little things. It's like, how does this happen? And Toulouse's top scorer of the season is Reese Healy, Reese Evett Healy from Manchester. <laughs> right. He was signed from MK Dons for five hundred fifty thousand. And he's gone off. Like he's gone absolutely off. And I think twenty goals and four assists. Crazy. I believe Wales might try to convince him to he he started his (laughs) he started his career in the youth team at Connors quay in like the welsh premier league oh before moving to cardiff (laughs) and then he spent some time like getting loaned out from cardiff before he eventually he eventually like made his way and he was playing at torquay and then mk dons but yeah, I mean, he was technically a Cardiff player until 2019. He was at Cardiff from 2016 to yeah, 2015 to 2019. He was and he was loaned out just like nonstop, and then he eventually made it permanent with MK Dons and spent a season there before he was sold to Toulouse. Um, but just I mean, what what we can say that is Toulouse have cast a wide net because yeah. again, they also brought junior flemings over from freaking usl championship yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i mean he has he's only made like one appearance but still and and bronco vandenbowman like hands down the best player in league though like overall the midfielder from uh the netherlands joined from de graf shop so yeah i mean they're really in the Ersta Divisa, like they're yeah. not even a top flight side. So I mean, Toulouse have really got the scouting going. Yeah. Um, and he's he's a really really good player. Yeah, I mean, Rafael Ratao, who is not even like he's not a starting player by any stretch of the imagination, but he's he's played half of the available minutes. He has eleven goals. <laughs> like <laughs> he has, in, in twenty three appearances, he's got eleven goals and an assist. Um, they signed him from Slovan Bratislava in in Slovakia. Um, he had played at Zoria Luhansk in in Ukraine, um, oh God. and a bunch of Brazilian teams before then. So, anyways, like, yeah, they've 
Kamoli is on his he's he's back on his bullshit for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what Toulouse will do uh, as they come up because uh, obviously they they had that really tough time under Anton Kumbare and and getting relegated. Um, they got relegated after I believe this was that like whole controversy when they ended the season early due to the pandemic. And so they were like relegated by because of that, but um, probably would have been anyway. But yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Ajax, you. I had to. I had to play this because I wanted to know how to pronounce, how to properly pronounce Ajax show. <laughs> Who are second in Ligue 2. and it's interesting because obviously. France like have these couple of teams that exist like outside of metropolitan France, metropolitan yeah. France um and uh yeah so the the Sardinian Corsican Corsican crap Sardinia is the Italian Other... that's Cagliari yes. that's Cagliari my bad <laughs> yeah the Corsican club um Ajaccio show uh sit second and they, obviously they I think they've been in league and like they've they've been prominent in French football before. Um, it's just been a little bit probably since they've they've been yeah. in the top flight and it's they're in a decent spot right now where they're three points clear clear of Angers um, and uh, with two games to play. So we could see them return return to uh, to the top flight, which uh, yeah, I think it's always cool when you have those kind of like. Like we said, like either from areas that like are remote, that don't yeah. typically have representation or are remote. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's always an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and and Ajaccio are are, I mean, they're very well supported as are all the other Corsican sides like Bastia and and um, yeah. Gazalek. Um, they were relegated in thirteen fourteen, finished last place, and that relegation was confirmed with defeat to Bastia, their neighbors. So um, that was that was harsh. And the last time, of course, the side was in Lyon was Bastia in sixteen seventeen. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy to have a Corsican team back in Liga like you. I'm always interested to see what some of the like teams from far flung areas of the country can do. Um, and in this case, they are from an Island in the middle of the Mediterranean. So, um, <laughs> extremely passionate fans. Yeah. Uh, it, sometimes that passion can spill over into violence, which of course you never want to see, but, yeah. um, Corsicans are just built different. What can I say? <laughs> um, but Joshua have been extremely stingy in the defense, only 18 goals allowed, which is by far the best in the division. I think the only thing close to that is like to lose with 30 and that's almost double. So yeah, um, they've been just really, really good at keeping the ball out of the net. Uh, they don't score a lot, but they've <laughs> 37 goals. Yeah. They, they're like nicking <laughs> in it 36 every time. games and they are in second. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. The little terrorismo, if you will, but <laughs> yeah. I must know their manager because like, Anyone who comes up against a jock show next season is going to be just dreading it because it's just <laughs> going to be a fight. Like, it's barely yeah. going to be a football match. Yeah, it's crazy. That's so funny. Um, I was looking for... I was looking 
to see if I if I spotted like familiar names in the Ajaxo squad. Um, it seems like they've pretty much relied on like really experienced, like a couple of like really experienced heads to kind of like guide them through a league this season, and then mm. supplemented that with like kind of, I mean, kind of similarly, like trying to find like far like further flung like they've they've recruited from greece they've recruited from um yeah algeria cyprus like they, they've wow. kind of like gone all over the place to to find um to find those those right pieces but what what an approach like to end up second in the league with this sort of approach is so <laughs> so insane absolutely yeah it's nuts um the playoff places are interesting, though, because, like you said, we've got Auxerre, we have Socho, who were in Ligue 1 pretty recently, and Paris FC are yeah. fifth. Please, if we could have a Parisian derby, like, oh my god, how cool would that be? Oh, it would be, yeah, that would be fantastic to see. Um, and just, yeah, just any sort of foil i guess to psg um would be would be nice um i think if i'm remembering correctly there was a big i i feel like maybe a couple of years or a few years ago now so shall like there was a big story about them being taken over. And then like, I feel like it just did not go well. Like it was supposed to be this big, like, you know, conglomerate like takeover where they have a bunch of money injected and all this stuff. And I, I want to say it was like a Chinese firm that initially bought them and it went like totally sideways. Um, like did not go how they were yeah. <laughs> expecting. You, I think you are remembering that, right? Cause they are owned by, Nanking group uh, and their chairman is Frankie Yao so uh yeah I don't know what's going on there with Sochao though but but yeah Auger Auger still have a chance to I mean they could really they could throw a wrench in things still because they're only three points back of of a Josh show uh with with two games left to play so um so yeah, still quite a bit that could Auger plays Lahav uh coming up. Um and I guess final day any big Oh, wow. Well, it doesn't get much bigger than this, I guess. A Josh show and Toulouse play on the final day of the season. Oh shit. <laughs> so that really could be like the title decider. Yeah, yeah. If if a Josh show can uh can beat Grenoble and um and Neem can take points off Toulouse then we it could set up like a blockbuster on the final day um and, I'm just on I'm on the Paris FC train like, yeah please because <laughs> I would love to see like teams have to rock up to the Stade Chalati in the 13th arrondissement in in Paris because it's just so unassuming when you think like juxtapose that to like the Parc de Prince, so right but yeah no there's a lot of interesting storylines here in Ligue 2. yeah no I I uh and again like we said I think like just having those um 
those communities that are that haven't had a chance to get highlighted at a top flight level. Um, I think yeah. it's always it's always cool. Um, and as the uh, league one le- as the league one season like comes to an end, I think uh, as well. I'm looking forward to next seat like obviously this was a bit of a wash in terms of like everybody but psg was a meme so it's like um <laughs> but i am looking forward to the league on next season because i think there's a couple of teams that are going to be like really dangerous next season mm. um christophe galtier's niece definitely comes to mind in terms of like the continuation of that project could be extremely scary for anyone not they're also like big, big rivals with Ajaxio. So yeah, <laughs> there's a little coastal rivalry there. Um, <laughs> and then um, Marseille, who played who played Lyon today, actually in the Choc de Olympique, uh, the <laughs> the like Sampaoli having this squad and and having like another off season with them and maybe settling a little bit in terms of like who he values and, and who like is a difference maker for that team based on some of their late season form. I think they, I want to say that over the last half of the season, like they were the best team in France by some distance, like in terms of points gained. So if the season had started in, you know, at Christmas rather than <laughs> rather than last summer, then we we may have seen Marseille like in and around like the title conversation. So um so yeah, I think Ligon gets extremely interesting last next year and hopefully these these squads coming up will be will have a, a say in that. Um so yeah, extremely interested to to see. I think Given the campaign that Toulouse has had, you know, plus 50 goal difference, it's, it's quite similar to, I guess, like the way Fulham's gone about business in terms of they scored a lot of goals. They haven't allowed that many. So, like, what's that translate into in in the top yeah. flight? And, and can they maintain, like, that level? Right. Um, so, yeah, some really... And they they kind of have to do the same thing that we talked about with Fulham is be clever in the recruitment but it already looks like twos have done that so right. that's good yeah so um well with all that being said i mean that that about covers like there's there's some truly i guess looking back through all these teams that we've talked about over the next couple of weeks who are you really like who's that one team that you that you are like wanting to see at the top flight and, and wanting to track, you know, next season if they if they do win promotion. Yeah, I think um Nottingham Forest it really jumps out to me because of their history and just the transformation really that they've been able to make. Because I think that a lot of these teams that we talked about, it's not that shocking that they're fighting for promotion. Yeah. But with Nottingham Forest I think it definitely is given their recent history and, and just the impact that Steve Cooper has made. Um, I, I'm really excited to see what can happen potentially. I mean, again, European trophy winners, uh, two European cups, uh, a big club, um, and, and you know, been missing from the Premier League for many, many years now. And I think that would be really interesting to see what they could do. Um, 
And then again, I'm just like morbidly curious about Almeria, yeah. uh, because I think Spain has, outside of the big three clubs, like I think that it's not been as cynical with like the money and all that. Like even though Girona are owned by Citigroup, like they're still in Segunda after yeah. after that spell. So I want to see what like a a moneyed club from Andalusia can do, <laughs> but. Uh, that's yeah. more just morbid curiosity. I'm not necessarily like rooting for them or anything, but they've just been flirting with promotion for some time now. So if they can finally come up and do it, that would be fascinating. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of these, though, have, have plenty of intrigue. But what about you? What are you kind of excited about or, or looking forward to seeing? Yeah, I was... Um... Well, I was trying to see if I could find it, but so years ago or when when Darmstadt like made their first appearance in in the Bundesliga, I wrote I wrote a piece I and the wherever it got posted, I'm I don't know who it got published by or whatever, but like <laughs> I wrote a I wrote an article about about Darmstadt's rise and the fact that like it was this, you know, That's awesome. It, a team coming from from, you know, very modest means um and and just like the perfect example of a of a club like built sustainably that you know could survive at an amateur level and can be in the Bundesliga and still you know there's no like huge instability at the club if they get relegated or anything like that they just like they go about their business and and just uh yeah for them to be back you know in the conversation and the dramatic na- nature like with which they've done it because basically like capitalizing on this like collapse from from Werder against against Holstein Kiel like and and scoring six goals against Aua like um there's just yeah there's a lot there's a lot there and they're in kind of rarefied air in terms of like the level of the clubs that are up there at the top of the Zweite Bundesliga you wouldn't typically mention Darmstadt in the same sentence as Schalke, Hauswau, yeah. like, uh, or or Werder Bremen, and yet there they are in second place, and like basically with their their own destiny in their hands. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I I hope they can see it out. I think uh, I think it would be, um, I think it would be great to see them back, and I you know as as questionable as their survival in the Bundesliga would be um i think you know you don't have to look much further than freiburg being in the you know pokal final and potentially in with a chance of of uh a european berth a champions league berth uh potentially um to see why you know basically in germany like if you if you get in, you have a shot. Like you can there's no artificial like limits to like what you could pull off aside from, you know, winning the title, I guess. Yeah, definitely. You can't do no, that. That's a but good shout. you could do everything else. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. um I was quickly looking up like cause Yeah. I guess Freiburg uh They've had a pretty lengthy stay. I mean, they got relegated once in 15-16, but they've actually been pretty consistent of sticking around in the Bundesliga. 
So anyways, um, well that, that about does it for the football. Um, but we have our, we have our sounds of the season playlist, uh, that we add, we add a couple of tracks to each episode. Um, and for any listener, like curious, you can find the, the playlist on Spotify. If you search sounds of the season, season two, um, you can find it, follow it and, uh, and check out what tracks we add. Me and Mika add a couple of, uh, tracks from like alternative music, whether that's like everything from like metal to like pop punk or, and a bunch of stuff in between. Um, and, uh, yeah. So Mika, I guess in the, uh, interest of that, like what, uh, what have you got for us this week? Yeah, so I've gone on the nose with my first one, which is uh, <laughs> Tangled in the Great Escape by Pierce the Veil, featuring uh, Jason Butler, formerly of Let Live, I believe. Yep. Just a great song, great vocalists. And I think the title is self-explanatory for these clubs <laughs> that are trying to escape relegation. Um, the other song I've gone with is a song called Requiem by Avenged Sevenfold because... It's very dramatic. It opens with like a chanted Latin verse. And one of these uh, verses basically translates in Latin to let destruction reign. So (laughs) (laughs) that's what I'm wanting. I just want maximum chaos from here on out in all of these promotion and and, uh, relegation battles. Um, I just want to be entertained, man. What can I say? Yeah. Oh no! That well, and and you picked a couple of of great tracks to be entertained by. Um, if the football <laughs> doesn't do it, but I'm sure I'm sure it will. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, for mine, uh, I uh, for the first, I went with again a little bit of like on the nose in terms of uh, <laughs> remain. It's it's a song called "Remain and Sustain" by by a band called Hundredth, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, off their album let go which is just such a good like melodic hardcore album um probably actually one of my favorite melodic hardcore albums 100th went a really weird direction after that but yeah remain and sustain like these a lot of these clubs are just looking to stay you know in the league that they're in um and and keep you know keep consolidating and all those things and and um trying not to take that step backwards. So that was kind of where I was going with that. And then um, the second is uh, a song called My House by a band called Paris, just spelled P-V-R-I-S. Banger of a track. <laughs> Love Paris. Yeah. I. So this, this song, like, I was thinking, like, in the chorus, there, you know, it's My House, it's time to get out. (laughs) (laughs) So like, there's a couple of teams that are going to be banishing, you know, um, clubs out of their, uh, out of their house, I guess. Um, and for this track, if you have a chance, there is like, there's the studio version and like the album version, which is amazing. But if you go on YouTube and you look up the empty room sessions, yeah the empty room session of this song is haunting and amazing it's so freaking good and it also like lets uh the vocalist like really showcase her voice like raw like you know not overproduced and all that stuff and it's just like man unbelievable so um Yeah. yeah so look that up 
that's i don't know if the i don't think the empty room sessions are on spotify but um but yeah they're on youtube so just check it but absolutely love those picks yeah so i think i think that about does it i think so hope everyone enjoyed it yeah we covered quite a bit of ground there like (laughs) we did we did (laughs) Um, conte of podcasts yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah we uh well we we do hope that everyone enjoyed that uh episode a little bit of a different structure i guess or different topics than than we normally cover um but uh yeah really interesting to see the teams moving up and down and we'll uh we'll be back definitely to talk about uh the exploits in Europe of, of, uh, well, really all of these European competitions that are going on. Um, and as the leagues, uh, get to the business end, you know, a couple of really intense title races, namely in, (laughs) in England and Italy, um, Mm. that are going to come to a head here pretty briefly. So, um, yeah, tons, tons to talk about in the near future. So check us out, uh, on your favorite podcast platform. Um, and if you've been enjoying the show and and like what you hear, um, please consider leaving a rating or a review on your on your platform of choice. Um, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter at HXC Football. We're also on Instagram under the same handle. Um, yeah, so check us out at either spot. Hit us up, and we're always willing to to chat about the goings on around uh, around football, both both here in the states and abroad. So. Um, yeah, until next time, hope everyone, uh, has a, has a good productive week. (laughs) Oh God. I'm like giving myself the, (laughs) I'm I'm coming to the realization that I have to be at work in not that long. So (laughs) (laughs) I know. yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully everyone has a really good week and we'll catch you guys next time. See ya.